Hello everyone. Welcome to Reading Through the Bible with Elder Linda. So glad you joined me. If this is your first time coming to the program, here we read the scriptures together. We make sure we understand what we're reading and then we make application to our lives. Uh, we have a um, place for comments and questions. If you have any questions or comments that you want to add on the YouTube section or either on the Facebook page. Also, uh, if you subscribe to the channel, you will be notified whenever a new video is posted. But last week we were on chapter 12 and we read chapter 12 up to the 21st verse, uh, which talks about the, the Passover, the first Passover. It talks about Israel's exodus from Egypt and instructions for the future Passovers. Today we're going to finish chapter 12 and start on chapter 13, possibly finish chapter 13. Um, and chapter 13 is about all about the dedication of the firstborn, and it's about Israel's wilderness detour. So let's just start off with a word of prayer. Um, thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord God. We thank you for the good times and for the bad times. We thank you, Lord God, that you are always with us, that you said you would never leave us and that you'd never forsake us. Holy Spirit, we just invite you in on today. We ask you to come in and be the teacher. And we'll be careful to give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> amen, amen, amen. Okay, let's just start. We're going to start reading. I'm in the New Living Translation. And we're going to start with verse 21. That's where we stopped last week. Uh, with verse 21, it says, Then Moses called all the elders of Israel together and said to them, Go pick out a lamb or a young goat for each of your families and slaughter the Passover animal. So Moses is giving them the instructions that the Lord gave him to give to the people. This is what we're reading about now. <clears throat> uh, the instructions where they're going to get ready for the actual Passover, the actual last plague of the death of the firstborn. So he's telling them what they need to do. <clears throat> uh, go pick out a lamb or a young goat for each of your families and slaughter the Passover animal. Drain the blood into a basin. Then take a bundle of hyssop. Hyssop is like a plant. Branches and dip hyssop, hyssop branches and dip it into the blood. Brush the hyssop across the top and the sides of the door frames of your homes. And no one may go out through the door until morning. For the Lord will pass through the land to strike down the Egyptians. But when he sees the blood on the top and the sides of the doorframe, the Lord will pass over your home. He will not permit his death angel to enter your house and strike you down. So we are actually reading the details of what happened during the very first Passover, when the angel of death passed over the children of Israel. Verse 24, he says, remember, these instructions are a permanent law that you and your descendants must observe forever. When you enter the land, the Lord has promised to give you. You will continue to observe this ceremony. So you continue to have Passovers and observe and celebrate the fact that he passed over you. Verse 26. Then your children will ask, <clears throat> what does this ceremony mean? And you will reply, it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord. For he passed over the houses of Israel, of the Israelites in Egypt. And though he struck the Egyptians, 
He spared our families. So I want you to notice here too that it's important that you teach your children because here he's telling them to make sure you tell your children what happened during the Passover. Make sure they know. So you're passing it down from generation to generation. Just like we as parents should be teaching our children about the Lord. Teach our children about how we came to the Lord. Pass it down from generation to generation. I know my mother taught us. She taught us what she learned. Uh, and, and we just, we watched them and, and watched how she lived it before us. Uh, so we not only knew about sanctification, but we saw her living it right in front of our eyes and how it passed down to the next generation because nearly all my brothers and sisters uh, came to the Lord as a result of having a Christian mother and a Christian father. So you definitely want to pass that down to your, to the next generation. When Moses had finished speaking, all the people bowed down to the ground and worshiped. So he gave them all these details and the people, you know, worshiped the Lord. Verse 28, the people of Israel did just as the Lord had commanded through Moses and Aaron. <clears throat> Verse 29, and that night at midnight, when the, the Lord struck down all the firstborn sons in the land of Egypt from the firstborn son of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn son of the prisoner in the dungeon. Even the firstborn of their livestock were killed. Pharaoh and all his officials and all the people of Egypt woke up during the night and loud wailing was heard throughout the land of Egypt. There was not a single house where someone had not died. Let's just stop there for a minute because this is what we're reading. We're reading the actual event of the last plague that the Lord put on Egypt. Uh, and, and Pharaoh and his people. It was Pharaoh's firstborn son dies and every firstborn child is that every house had someone in there that was dying. So if you, if you pause and think about that for a minute, the agony of these people that each one of them had lost a loved one. <clears throat> now let's just see, I want to make sure we um, covered that section. If there's anything else I wanted to bring out in that particular section. Let's go to verse 31 where it says, uh, it talks about Pharaoh and it talks about the actual Exodus. Verse 31, it says, Pharaoh sent for Moses and Aaron. So this is after all this death has taken place. He sent for Moses and Aaron during the night. Get out, he ordered. Leave my people and take the rest of the Israelites with you. Go and worship the Lord as you have requested. Now remember, Pharaoh thought he was a God. And now he who thought he was a God just lost his own son and, and the God that he worships wasn't able to save his son. Verse 32, take your flocks and herds as you said and be gone. Go, but bless me as you leave. And this is humbling for, for uh, Pharaoh as well because not only does he recognize that God is the God, but Moses, I want you to pray for me before you leave. All the Egyptians urged the people of Israel to get out of the land as quickly as possible, for they thought we will all die. So not only was Pharaoh telling them to get out, but all their Egyptian neighbors was telling them to get out because guess what? They're thinking, please leave because something else is going to happen, and this is enough. We already have death in our homes, and we don't want we don't want death to continue to happen. They didn't know what was going to happen next. Verse thirty-four: The Israelites took their bread dough before yeast was added. They wrapped their kneading boards in their cloaks and carried them on their shoulders. And the people of Israel did as Moses had instructed. 
They asked the Egyptians for clothing and articles of silver and gold. And the Lord caused the Egyptians to look favorably on the Israelites, and they gave the Israelites whatever they asked for. So they stripped the Egyptians of their wealth. And this is something that God had said was going to happen before he ever sent Moses. He told him that he's going to cause the Egyptians to uh, act favorably on the children of Israel and that they were going to, the exact words, strip the Egyptians of their wealth. And this is exactly what's happening. Verse 37. That night, the people of Israel left Ramses and started for Sukkah. There were about 600,000 men, plus all the women and children. Now, remember, we're always saying there was at least 2 million people that left uh, that left Egypt because it was 70 uh, Israelites that went down to Egypt. And, and if you recall, those that, that have been following me, uh, the children of Israel had to go down to Egypt because there was a famine in the land. And that includes Jacob and all of his children. Joseph was already in Egypt. He was second in command in Egypt, and he uh, brought his whole family to Egypt so they wouldn't starve to death. So at that point, uh, everybody loved Joseph because Joseph, he not only saved his family, but he saved all the countries and, and uh, surrounding uh, places around Egypt. Everybody was coming to Egypt for food because Joseph had uh, been a good steward and had set it up and had stored food for the whole country. So anyway, uh, the Pharaoh at that time loved Joseph, but then there's a new Pharaoh that came into, into, into play, and this new Pharaoh could care less about Joseph or forgot about what Joseph did. By now, Joseph had died, but he uh, saw that the children of Israel were multiplying, and he decided to make life miserable for them, so he made them slaves. So here now, the 600,000 men that left Egypt this is children of Israel left Egypt. And where we get that number from, 2 million, if it was 600,000 men, and you can just add this up in your head as well, each one of these men probably had a wife because they did not believe in sex before marriage. <clears throat> so I'm sure they got married as soon as they could, and these were men. So they probably had 600,000 wives. And then if you figure they didn't believe in, in birth control, so I'm sure they at least had, they had uh, each one of them had at least one child and possibly two. So if they had one, that's another 600,000. If those that had two, which is more than likely, because like I said, they weren't practicing birth control, then that's another 600,000. So that number comes to over 2 million people that left, that left Egypt. And in, in verse 38, it was more than just the, the men and the women and children of the Israelites. Verse 38 said there was a rabble, and New Living Translation says a rabble, R-A-B-B-L-E, of non-Israelites went with them along with the great flocks and herds of livestock. Actually, that, that word rabble means it was a mob or a disorderly crowd <clears throat> that went with the children of Israel. So that's going to be interesting. Uh, the King James Version calls it a mixed multitude. So it was more than just the children of Israel that left, left Egypt. And, and it was probably some of the Egyptians. I mean, if they saw all those plagues and saw how Almighty God uh, was showing how great and powerful he was, they probably wanted to join the, the children of Israel, say their God is better than anything I've ever seen. <clears throat> so verse 39, so for bread, they baked flat cakes. They're talking about the children of Israel. They baked flat cakes from the dough without yeast they had brought from Egypt. It was made without yeast because the people were driven out of Egypt in such a hurry that they had no time to prepare the bread or other food. The people of Israel had lived in Egypt 
for 430 years. In fact, it was on the last day of the 430th year that all the Lord's forces left the land. Verse 42, on this night, the Lord kept his promise to bring his people out of the land of Egypt. So this night belongs to him and it must be commemorated every year by all the Israelites from generation to generation. So don't forget this. God wanted them to remember this forever, how he brought them out with a mighty hand. Because how many people know that when God did those 10 plagues uh, before in Egypt, they were not just for the Egyptians to know that he was God, but God also wanted to show his people, the Israelites, I'm God. You can trust me. I, I got your back. And that, so, so he was showing in, in, on both sides. The enemy was seeing how great God was, as well as the children of Israel. Because think about it. They had been in bondage for, 100, for 400, 400 years or for been in Egypt for 430 years and had been in bondage for a, a, a length of time while they were there. It doesn't say exactly how long they were in bondage. But perhaps some of them had given up on God. And think about it. They had been in Egypt so long. Egypt worshipped all kind of gods. So they had been exposed to all these different gods. So God had to show himself big for his people as well as for the Egyptians. Verse 43, the instructions for the last Passover says, Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, These are the instructions for the festival of Passover. No outsiders. Now these are very strict instructions. He said, No outsiders are allowed to eat the Passover meal. But any slave who has been purchased may eat it if he has been circumcised. So these are the instructions for the future Passovers. Verse 45, temporary residents and hired servants may not eat it. Each Passover lamb must be eaten in one house. So you can't take the lamb and, and cut half of it and take it to your neighbor's house. If it was too much lamb for you, then you would have, had, you have, would have already invited your neighbor to come over and it would uh, like two households in one house that would eat of that same lamb. Each Passover lamb must be eaten in one house. Do not carry any of its meat outside and do not break any of its bones. Now this is in, in reference to a scripture in Psalms, verse 34, verse 20. We're not going to look it up, but you can feel free to look that up. Uh, verse 34 and 20, where it says, none of his bones were to be broken. And that, of course, is referring to Jesus Christ. Because how many people know this Passover that we're talking about here in Egypt, the Passover where the death angel passed over them is a type and shadow of the Passover of our Lamb of God, our sinless Lamb, Jesus Christ, who died and shed his blood for us, that the, death, that the angel of death would pass over us, that the curse of sin would be done away for us. He took our curse. He died on the cross. He took our place. He took our guilt and shame. Jesus did the same thing. That's why this passage about the Passover is so important because it points to Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. The whole community of Israel must celebrate this Passover festival. If there are foreigners living among you who want to celebrate the Lord's Passover, let all their males be circumcised. Only then... May they celebrate the Passover with you like any native-born Israelite. 
but no uncircumcised male may ever eat the Passover meal. Now, uncircumcised, because that's part of their covenant. You were uh, the children of Israel. Part of their covenant with God was circumcision. So, if you were not circumcised, then you're not part of the covenant, and you could not partake of the Passover. This institution applies to everyone, whether a native-born Israelite or a foreigner living among you. And incidentally, we were talking about how none of the bones were to be broken, and that was in uh, Psalms thirty-four twenty. I told you to look that up. Also, that was confirmed with Jesus with his uh, crucifixion. And if you read in John chapter nineteen, verse thirty-six, the prophecy in Psalms. 3420 was confirmed and was carried out and was came to pass in Jesus because the uh, children of Israel, no, I'm sorry, not children of Israel, the Jews had went to Pilate and told Pilate, uh, look, the, the Sabbath day is coming up and the, Jesus and his other two thieves on the cross, we don't want them hanging on the cross for the Sabbath. So they asked Pilate if they could break their legs because, and we talked about this before, but in breaking their legs, they wouldn't be able to breathe. And uh, Pilate gave him permission to break their legs. But when they got to Jesus, he was he was already dead. So they did not have to break his legs. They just pierced him in the side. So that prophecy came to pass that none of his bones would be broken. Verse 50 says, So all the people of Israel followed all the Lord's commands to Moses and Aaron. On that very day, the Lord brought the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt like an army. Amen. He brought them out like a mighty army. Okay, we're going to go to chapter 13. We got a little more time here. Chapter 13, we don't know how far we're going to get, but we're going to start it. Chapter 13 talks about the dedication. The first part talks about the dedication of the firstborn. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, dedicate to me every firstborn among the Israelites, the first offspring to be born of both humans and animals belongs to me. Now he's asking for this dedication because he just spared the firstborn of their families because they had the blood on the doorpost and the death angel passed over their house. The firstborn of the Egyptians all died, but the firstborn of the children of Israel was spared. Verse three, so Moses said to the people, this is a day to remember forever. The day you left Egypt, the place of your slavery. Today, the Lord has brought you out by the power of his mighty hand. And I just want you to just remember, they were brought out of Egypt. The battle was won and they did not have to lift a finger. God fought their battles. So we need to keep that in mind. God said he will fight our battles for us. He fought their battle. He did it all. They didn't have to lift a finger. Just watch and see how, what God does. Amen. So sometimes we just need to step back and watch God move and watch him fight our battles for us. Today, the Lord has brought you out by the power of his mighty hand. Remember, eat no food containing yeast because they're, they're for seven days they're about to do this. On this day in early spring, in the month of Abib, you have been set free. You must celebrate this event in this month each year after the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. He swore to your He swore to your ancestors that he would give you this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And who's the ancestors he told that to? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Verse 6, for seven days the bread you eat must be made without yeast. 
Then on the seventh day, celebrate a feast to the Lord. Eat bread without yeast during those seven days. In fact, there must be no yeast bread or any yeast at all found within the borders of your land during this time. So, and, and why, is, why is it stressed about yeast? Because one thing, yeast was representing sin. So you want to make sure all the sin is out of your house. And another thing yeast represented when they made the unleavened bread was the haste in which they had to leave Egypt because they didn't have time uh, for the bread to rise. So this is celebrating um, their departure from Egypt. Verse 8. On the seventh day, you must explain to your children. Now, notice how many times you're telling them that you've got to explain this to your children. God wants our kids to know, our children to know about him. He wants us to pass that on to them. So if you're not talking to your children about the Lord, shame on you. You should be talking to your children about the Lord. You know, I used to get those, uh, when my children were coming up, I had all those books that had all the Bible stories in them. So uh, my children knew just about all the Bible stories when they were old enough to start reading the Bible themselves. They knew the Bible stories. And, and that's what you should be doing. You should be get, get read a Bible story to them at night so they can get to know about the Lord. Since I am celebrating what the Lord did for me, this is what you're going to tell your children. I'm celebrating what the Lord did for me when I left Egypt. This annual festival will be a visible sign to you like a mark branded on your hand or your forehead. Let it remind you always to recite this teaching of the Lord with a strong hand. The Lord rescued you from Egypt. So observe at the decree of this festival at the appointed time each year. This is what you must do. The Lord fulfills the promise he swore to you and to your ancestors. When he gives you the land where the Canaanites now live, you must present all firstborn sons and firstborn male animals to the Lord, for they belong to him. A firstborn donkey may be brought back from the Lord or presented, presenting a lamb or a goat, young goat in its place. But if you do not buy it back, you must break its neck. However, you must buy back every firstborn son. So what's this saying here? Uh, because Jesus said the firstborn of the, of the uh, children belong to him as well as the firstborn of the animals. And if there's a firstborn donkey, of course, you can't sacrifice a donkey so you can replace it with a lamb. And for your firstborn children, of course, God didn't want them to sacrifice their children so they would replace it with a lamb. And we're going to find out later on that God's going to actually replace the, the, uh, his requirement for the firstborn son. He's going to actually change that into the tribe of, Levi, of the Levites and have them serve him in place of those firstborn. So we're going to see that later on. And I think it's in Numbers chapter 3, but we're going to read about that later. Verse 14. And in the future, your children will ask, here's your children asking again, what does all this mean? Then you will tell them, with the power of his mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, the place of our slavery. Pharaoh suddenly refused to let us go, so the Lord killed all the firstborn males throughout the land of Egypt, both people and animals. That is why I now sacrifice all the firstborn males to the Lord. I consecrate them to the Lord except that the firstborn sons are always brought, bought back. Verse 16, this ceremony will be like a mark branded on your hand or your forehead. It is a reminder that the power of the Lord's mighty hand brought us out of Egypt. 
Now, in some later years, how God said he, he wanted them to forever remember what happened here. Um, the Jews actually later on, uh, years, much years, years later, they made these, uh, I think they're called um, phylacteries. They're called phylacteries where they put, uh, they actually put these scriptures where they say you put it on your forehead and on your hand. They literally did that. They made these little boxes with the scriptures that he just quoted here and put it in a little box and tied it around their head and they had it on their hand. On the, I think it's on their left arm, but they would wear that when they had morning prayers. They kind of took it literal. Okay, and verse 17 says, when Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through the Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. God said, if the people are faced with the battle, they might change their mind and return to Egypt. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. Thus, the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. So look how well God knows us. He knew that they were not ready for battle. So he didn't take them a shortcut route because they could have gotten to the promised land in a shorter route, but they would have had to be in battle right away. They weren't ready for that. So he took them a different route. Verse 19. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel swear to to do this. He said, God will certainly certainly come to help you. And when he does, you must take my bones with you from this place. It almost makes you wonder if Joseph knew that it was about to go sour for the children of Israel, because he said, God will surely come to help you. So he must have knew something was either starting to go bad or something, because he knew God was going to help them. And he told them, when you leave here, take my bones with you. And that's just what they did. Verse 20, the Israelites left Sukkoth and camped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. The Lord went ahead of them. He guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud and provided light at night with a pillar of fire. This allowed them to travel by day or by night. And the Lord did not remove the pillar of cloud or pillar of fire from its place in front of the people. So what is this telling us? This is telling us that God will never leave us or forsake us. Even when the children of Israel were going through the wilderness, he was right there. He was right there showing them the way, leading the way, uh, showing, leading them at night with a pillar of fire, you know, like, like having light so you can see where you're going. And, at, and, and during the day, I guess when it was hot during the wilderness, he, they had the cloud that, that they followed. So we have a faithful God and he's going to lead us and guide us all the way. He said he'd never leave us. He'd never forsake us. And just like he's told us that he's doing that for the children of Israel. So, amen. We're going to stop there. And if you have not accepted Christ into your heart, please accept him today. I know I'm always saying, making the statement, uh, you need to be in the ark of safety. And maybe I haven't explained that, you know, to some. Some people know what I'm talking about, but others might say, why does she always say that? Well, the ark of safety, when I say that, Think about Noah when the great flood came. Noah and his wife and his sons and their wives and the animals, they were all in an ark. They were all in this big, huge boat that protected them from the flood, that kept them alive. Just like Noah <clears throat> was in that big ark that protected him. Jesus Christ is who protects us. So when I say you need to be in your ark of safety, we need to be in Jesus. He's our ark of safety. He will protect you from anything that's coming upon this earth. We be, we're in him. He's in us. 
and he will keep us safe from all hurt, harm, and danger. So that's why I'm always saying, please make sure you're in the ark of safety because you don't have to fear what man can do unto you when you belong to Jesus because he's going to take care of you. Amen. Amen. So if you if you don't know him as your Lord and Savior, please go into my channel, read through the Bible, Elder Linda. There's a playlist called The Sinner's Prayer. And on that playlist, there's uh, two videos. Uh, the first one, The Sinner's Prayer, Prayer will teach you why you need Jesus. Because so often we tell people you need to be saved, you need Jesus, but we don't tell them why. So this will give you reasons why you need Jesus in your life, why you need to say yes to him and repent of your sins. Then the other tape is called Teaching About Salvation. And in this tape, it will give you all the scriptures explaining your salvation experience. Amen. Amen. So you want to go on my channel and, and review those videos and please give your heart to Jesus today so you can be in the ark of safety. Amen. Amen. Let's close with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We praise you. We honor you. We give you all the glory. We thank you, dear Lord, that you never leave us, that you'll never forsake us. We thank you that our steps are ordered by you, O oh God. We thank you that you're a lamp unto our feet and you're a light unto our path. Father, we're careful to give you the glory and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you, and I will see you next week.